Welcome to Served Neat, hosted by your girl, Jen Hartman. I'm the CEO of Neat, a boutique PR and marketing agency based out of Louisville, Kentucky. I launched Neat in 2019 with just $3,000 in my bank account. Since then, I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of emerging brands and Fortune 500 empires. I believe that marketing and PR should be served neat, just like your favorite bourbon. On this podcast, you'll hear about the latest and greatest growth strategies, the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, and so much more. Pour yourself a glass of your favorite bourbon because it's time to dive in to this week's episode. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Ellie Puckett. Ellie Puckett is a business broker and small business expert. She spent 10 years in the startup world and coached hundreds of founders and even ran a tech startup accelerator before launching Renegade Ventures. Ellie is here to guide business owners through the process of buying and selling businesses. She's on a mission to close the gender wealth gap through business acquisition. Ellie will answer your burning questions around selling your business, like what makes your business sellable and how do you prepared to sell and so much more. If you missed part one with Ellie, go back and listen to last week's episode where we talked about buying businesses. Okay, guys, let's dive in. I actually want to shift and talk more about selling a business. So how do you know if your business is sellable? So the number one way is profitable. You are profitable. You are probably sellable. I think that a lot of business owners spend a lot of time and we all do it. Like I'm not even going to act like I don't do this. I absolutely do this. We spend it on tax reduction. We spend our time on tax reduction. You are ready to sell your business. And about three years out from selling the business, I would say that you should turn your focus away from hiding things in your business to increase your expenses and to bring down your taxes and actually focus on making sure all of that is properly reported because you are stepping over two cents to pick up one. Does that make sense? So if you get to sell on a multiple of three, then what you lost in that dollar is bigger than what you gained by reducing your taxes. So really it's a mindset shift in those couple of years before you're ready to sell that says do everything by the book and log, keep your personal expenses for those couple of years out of your business and and really keep your books clean. That is the best way. Be profitable and clean books and you will probably sell. So another really big thing that makes your business extremely attractive is if you've crossed the 1 million in revenue mark. Another thing that makes your business extremely attractive is if you have not too high of customer concentration. So I'm not saying you can't have an anchor client, but you probably don't want an anchor client to be more than 25% of your business because that is a risk to the new owner if that one client walks from you. And so since you held that relationship in that transition, it'll be a risk. So the more customer diversity, the increased sexiness of selling your business. It doesn't mean that you have to have a bunch of customers. There is a world where you get to, that's too many customers to manage, but we're talking about as percentage of your overall revenue. Another thing that makes your business really, really sexy is having a manager in place or having a management team. You are leaving your business. 
if you are still the secret sauce, if you're doing all of the sales, you are, if your hand is in literally everything, if you are selling your own identity, your own personality, all of that is, you are the thing that is leaving. Your business is not as valuable. You are selling a management team, a process, a structure, an organization that can function without you. You have a very sexy business to sell. And so these are some of the things that we talk a lot about as business owners, how to get yourself out of the process, how to relieve up some of your time. And what people don't realize is it's not actually about necessarily working less. It is increasing your value of your asset. That is your business. You are increasing the value of your business. The moment that you are not the center of your business. I'm so glad you touched on that. Okay. So I want to kind of talk then about online coaches, content creators. Are those businesses even sellable at the end of the day, even if they are profitable because the content creator is their business. The online coach is their business. Is there any way to sell a business like that? Yeah, it is going to be really interesting as some of these business owners try to sell for the first time. This is a relatively new thing, right? It's a relatively new concept. And I would say that if you are selling something other than yourself as a coach, there is a chance. So if you're selling nutritional programming, if you're selling some sort of education that could be transitioned to someone else, then maybe. But some of these people are receiving the benefit of their business as they are working it. And that is okay. But you need to go ahead and understand that you didn't necessarily build a business as an asset that can sell beyond yourself. I think that there are a couple of influencers that balance that really well. My favorite is actually a woman named Kelly Levesque, and she has a company called Be Well by Kelly. She mostly selling herself. It's literally her name. However, she has a protein powder brand. She's an investor in several other consumer product companies. There is a strategy that says, someday I won't want my face to be all over Instagram and TikTok. And I have investments outside of my brand that will carry me through. She is utilizing her personal brand right now to help those businesses grow and succeed outside of her personal brand. And so that's one way that influencers or creators need to be thinking about their long-term strategy is how do they build other revenue streams or other line items on their income that are passive and or just not as attached to their brand. They can utilize their brand, but it's not all about them as a person because that business of coaching is still trading time for money. Even if you've made it the most efficient thing possible, it's probably not sellable. Thank you so much for hitting on that. I do have quite a few listeners who are content creators or online coaches. So that was a really great message to share. Let's talk about what is the biggest reason for a founder wanting to sell their business? There are a variety of reasons. Retirement is a big one that we've been talking a lot about in the world of brokering because we have an aging population of business owners. So the majority of business owners that are above a million or 5 million in revenue are still owned by boomers. So as they retire or just close up their shop, we want to see that wealth creation potential transfer to the next generation. And a lot of these people's kids do not want to buy their businesses or do not want to keep it in the family. And therefore we need to have more people in our generation step up and buy these things. It's not as simple as we make it sound when we're having this conversation 
education, but it's still important for our communities that we have a variety of different types of wealth and a variety of different levels of wealth. And that is makes small business ownership really, really important on an economic development perspective for our communities. I think we're at a really big risk if everybody working for corporations and not owning small businesses and more and more business owners aging out and us realizing we've lost a lot of services that are important to our communities or that they've been corporate consolidated and care less about our communities. So there's that point. I've lost my little bit of a train of thought. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed that portion. And now, of course, I have another question for you later on. But what is the biggest reason for an owner wanting to sell their business? You touched on retirement. A lot of my listeners, I will say, are like 20s, 30s, 40s, if that yeah, helps you. So the other reason would be you've built it, you're burnt out, or you... A burnout is a big reason, but you've built it and you know that it can sell and you want to cash in. Selling it when it is at its highest and at its best or as high as you feel like you can take it is the right time to sell it. You don't necessarily want it to dip back down. And so if you have given your heart and soul and you've built it to what you believe is the top of what it's going to sell for or the top of what you can, it might be time for to let someone else take it to the next level or take it to the next generation. You might just be ready to move on to the next thing. And all of those reasons are valid reasons. Another reason reason that we see way more than I expected when becoming a business broker are hard reasons, sad reasons, death, sickness, etc. Those aren't great times to be selling your business, but sometimes it's just when it has to happen. But if you have prepared your business, when bad things happen, it is still valuable and it is still an asset that is sellable. And so I think it's about preparing your business for sell at the top and preparing your business for sell for the unexpected. You should always be in the process of building your business as an asset and working towards it being something that has processes, systems, and teams that is sellable. So that's my personal belief in how you should be building your business from day one so that if you get to year five and you're ready and burnt out, that you can sell it. And if you decide, no, I actually have built it into a way that I love working in it, you can keep growing it. It is prepared to sell if the time ever arises or if it's ever needed. Or if someone comes in and gives you a sweetheart offer. Okay, so what I'm hearing is the behind the scenes should not be a dumpster fire and you should also keep on top of your books. Noted. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we all struggle. You know, <laughs> my husband and I own a video production company and it's mostly his. And I had to reconcile three years at once because he hadn't reconciled and we'd been doing our own taxes and we just made it work. And then it was like, nope, we need to grow up. Time to do this properly. Let's pay an accountant and do monthly reconciliations. We have phases. It's not a judgment. It's just aspire to always be getting better. <laughs> okay. I want to backtrack because you said something earlier that caught my attention, how there's quite a few boomers who are heading towards retirement. They want to sell their businesses. Family members don't want to take their businesses over. That's a trend. What are other trends that you are seeing either right now in 2023 when it comes to buying and selling businesses or what do you expect to happen in the next five years or so? Yeah, so we see a surprising number of people in their 70s and beyond who just honestly waited to too long to sell their business. In my opinion, they were still working or still happy working, but they weren't really preparing to sell. And now they get to us and they want to sell now. And it takes nine to 12 months and it's going downhill. They're getting less clients because they already started working less or they started taking their social security checks. So they were taking less salary and it all kind of muddies their sellability. So this is actually an opportunity for someone to step in and take a deal that would
was that they might have to revive the business a little bit, but it's going to sell at a less multiple. It's going to be less expensive to buy. And so there's an opportunity for younger buyers, flip businesses, I think coming up. Some other trends is that buyers are getting more sophisticated. So we are, you're having sophisticated buyers who are doing a lot of research or hearing these messages and getting into this game, becoming more strategic buyers or becoming more sophisticated buyers while sellers are still the people that just did the thing and built it up. And there is maybe an imbalance in expectation versus reality because the buyers were on the sophisticated end while the sellers were just people who did their job day in and day out and did it pretty well, but they aren't as updated or they aren't as sophisticated as maybe expected. And so the buyer has to do a lot more work than maybe they thought that they could turn it into a passive income immediately. And they do need to spend some time kind of getting it to the next level. What else are we seeing? I personally feel like we are seeing, and this is not a good thing for our economy, a lot of corporate buyout of the things that are buyable. So we're seeing corporate and or like bigger private equity. There's some small private equity that I think is great for our communities. They keep them local, et cetera. It's not a bad thing, but we can get into bigger private equity, which is really just corporate buyout and or corporate buyouts of big companies and the rest just ceasing to exist. And that bothers me from an economic development perspective. It also bothers me from a community perspective. It is our local small businesses that fund our t-ball and soccer leagues that throw in a community helping hand. They are the thing that knows that the person down the street needs a backpack or a coat. And so from a community development aspect, I think that's what makes women actually great advocates or people to start buying up community-based businesses. These companies do good money. They pay the same salaries that maybe you make in your corporate life. And I think women are often pushed towards nonprofit work, climbing the ladder, or become a content creator so that you can stay at home with your children. And there's some of us, and I have no judgment if that's what you want to do, but there are some of us that never set out to become stay-at-home moms. The reason I am an entrepreneur was not to be a stay-at-home mom. My kids are going to daycare no matter what. I love them very dearly, but I want to build my business, do something else. And I don't know that this message of the best way that you can help your community is not to go start a nonprofit. Volunteer at a nonprofit and buy a community-based business, employ people, give them good jobs and good salaries, livable wages, care for those people and serve your community and serve it well. From a business standpoint, it will increase your wealth. And when women have more money, their things happen. We need women to increase our generational wealth, to increase our wealth in general, because when we have money, we support the nonprofit. When we have money, we make sure the kid has the backpack. When we have money, we use it in ways traditionally our male counterparts have not. And that is statistically based. It's not just an opinion. And so I just think that we are at a place where we can actually make real growth in our income position. That's not just about closing the pay gap. We're getting closer and closer on the pay gap, but the wealth gap is still massive. And so we have to be getting into the asset ownership game. Assets, land, real estate, and businesses are how we increase that wealth and those assets that we own. I have the chills right now. And I know it's like hot outside, but all of that was so good. I like that you're talking about wealth because I think a lot of times, especially in America, buy a house, buy a house, you have to buy a house, but there's also other ways to build wealth. You can buy a business, right? And nobody talks about that. And that's actually almost a better way to build wealth than buying a house. 
take like community that it's almost impossible to buy a house in now. Places in California or even Colorado or whatnot, where buying a starter home is literally a million dollars and you are going to be paying that mortgage. And yes, it's going to be increasing your wealth, but it isn't paying you back anything. Or you could spend a million dollars buying a business. It have a net of 250,000 increases your ability to even get the loan for the house because your wealth went up. It's bringing you in money and it is producing something for the community. It's kind of this win, win, win. And it actually helps you stack and get real estate or other types of wealth going because you've increased your asset. You've increased the revenue that you bring in. Yeah. I wish somebody would have talked about this when I was in college or like oh, high me school. Too. Nobody talks about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Felt like there was definitely a curtain, even after being in the entrepreneurship world for 10 years that you just don't know that this is even possible. And that's the whole point of what I do as a business broker and what Renegade Ventures, my podcast and my personal entity and brand is here for. It is about increasing awareness and education and being able to ask questions in a safe space because this world of acquisitions is heavily dominated by old white men. And the new version is the former tech bro who figured it out because the investors were doing it. But it's like super bro, no matter which way you look at it. And so Renegade's trying to make a space for women to have this conversation and get in this game. Love it. Okay, we're going to shift this conversation slightly. How do you assess the value of a business or of your own business, I guess? Is there a quick and dirty formula you use? Absolutely. So you need to take that net. So you take your revenue minus your expenses. You are allowed to add back one owner's salary, so what you pay yourself, and you can add back interest, paid taxes, depreciation, amortization, and handful of personal expenses that you might put in your business. They need to be really trackable. So it's not petty cash that you're pulling from your business. It would be, hey, we have a company boat and the next business owner doesn't need a company boat to operate the business. Does that make sense? This is real. People put their boats in their business all the time. So you take your revenue minus your expenses. You can add back one owner salary, taxes, depreciation, amortization, and full of things that the business doesn't actually need to survive. And that number, it's called your seller's discretionary earnings or your EBITDA. So that seller's discretionary earnings number is now the number that you will multiply your industry multiple. You can probably do some level of research on Google and find your industry multiple. I have a comp software that I use that helps me determine the multiple for any given business. It is average for the SDE multiple of a small business to be somewhere between times two and times three. If you are fast growing and really kicking butt and have some level of technology or innovation, you might see four and five and six and seven, but the majority of small businesses are between two and three. There are businesses that run down the 1.5 range. There are businesses that average in the four range, but to give yourself a good guess of what you're worth, take that SDE times it by two to three, you're worth about that range. Great. That's a good formula. One thing you should know is if you bought a franchise or if you spent a bunch of money investing in your business, hundreds of thousands of dollars, doesn't matter. Your startup costs are not taken into your valuation. So you could, in theory, have spent more building the business than you are worth now. So it's just something that you should know. Some people get frustrated when they get to it and they're like, I spent $800,000 building the business and now it's only worth $500,000. You are worth what you're worth 
worth based on your last three years of financials. Good to know. I like that. Yeah. It's pretty common just because I know I have a lot of content creators and online business owners, like coaches who follow me too. It's pretty common for people to dump tens of thousands of dollars into working with a business coach. So you kind of talking about that made me think about that and how much money people spend on business coaches. And that's valuable. That's not valuable when you sell your business, but it sounds like it might not be. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, an expense that you can maybe make an argument could be added back to re, you know, cause it's an expense that's been taking your net income down. And in theory, if the next business owner doesn't need to spend five grand a month on a business coach, there's an argument for it to be added back potentially. Okay. It would depend on whether or not the bank that's financing the deal would let you add it back. Okay. It's not that it's not valuable though. I think that a lot of people need that level of accountability to get to their next level of growth. I do think a lot of people are spending thousands upon thousands of dollars on coaching that isn't equaling new revenue for their business. So they're just spending like a whole lot more on therapy than maybe they should be. And if that's what you want to do, there isn't like a judgment in that. It's just fully being honest with yourself on is this money creating new revenue, creating operational processes that increase the value of my business? Is it creating value or is it relieving stress or is it doing both? And it's not like a wrong answer to that. Okay. This has been great. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on when it comes to selling a business that we haven't touched on yet? I think that it's really important to work with a an accountant, a lawyer, and a business broker who have done this before. A lot of people will go at it solo. And I even saw it yesterday where they posted that their business was for sale on Facebook or with a realtor, and they don't know what they're doing, no matter if they tell you that they do. It is a completely different type of sale. Am I pursuing my real estate license so that I can sell people's commercial real estate when they sell their business? Yes. But my focus is on how due diligence works, how your valuation works, and that process of managing two people that need to come up with a win-win solution so that business transitions well. And that takes a team of people around you. It doesn't have to be wildly expensive, but it does take a team of people around you that have done it before because you are the expert in your business, not in the selling of a business. Okay, awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. How can people find you? How can people work with you? Give us your Instagram handles, your website, all the things. So I am a broker with Murphy Business Brokers, but my brand is Renegade Ventures. That is where I would love for people to take a moment and go listen. If you are acquisition curious at all, or if you have a business and you're learning what it would take to sell it, my podcast is for you. It is There's four live already. I launched just a few weeks ago and you can find it on all major podcast platforms, but Apple and Spotify are where we listen to most. My website is renegade.biz, renegade.biz. My Instagram handle is renegade.le and renegade.biz. So you can kind of see the consistency there. And you feel free to email me at ellie at renegade.biz. And if you just want more resources and connection, that's the right place for you. If you are ready to sell your business or ready to buy a business, I'll connect you with my Murphy business sales side myself. So amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you. And I know my audience is going to love this episode. But thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience. I love listening to your podcast and learning all things about PR and marketing. That is a place where I am still trying to grow as we grow Renegade Ventures. So I appreciate all the content. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Served Needs. 
I hope you enjoyed listening and found some tasty nuggets of marketing wisdom to help you take your brand to the next level. Remember, just like a perfectly crafted cocktail, marketing is all about finding the right balance and serving it up with a splash of creativity. So keep building, keep refining, and keep serving up your brand with style. And if you're thirsty for more insights, be sure to subscribe and join us for our next episode of Served Neat. Until then, cheers. Cheers.